Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to chsrhealthylife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. chsrhealthylife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. Welcome to The Truth of Us. My name is Brendan D. Murphy. This is where we unleash truth and freedom with no holds barred, no fear, and no limits. Come and evolve beyond the matrix with me and thrive, not just survive. This is a realm of empowering, uncommon awareness. This is my Truth of Us. Hello and welcome to Truthverse. I'm your host, Brendan D. Murphy, and you are listening to HealthyLife.net Radio. Kicking off my first episode on the network, I thought I should give you a little bit of background about me. I won't tell you my life story, but just so we can get to know each other a little better. I am an author, writer, musician, speaker. I wrote a book called The Grand Illusion, A Synthesis of Science and Spirituality back in the, at the end of 2012. It's a massive, monumental book, very deeply researched, very comprehensive, and uh, has changed a lot of people's perception and, and lives based on feedback. So if you're into the paranormal, consciousness, and all the woo, you'll probably like that. Go check it out. You can find it on my website, brendandmurphy.com. I'm co-founder of Truth.Network, which is a Facebook alternative, which we created, my partner and I created after we were censored by Facebook back in June of 2018, which was actually when they ran their first major censorship purge and deleted over 100 uh, pages that were essentially dissident pages, non-conformist pages, pages that did not go along with the official sort of narrative or narratives that Facebook and the other giants, social giants, are pushing. So... This week, we're going to talk about the coronavirus pandemic, the various sort of foundational pieces, particularly honing in on the medical aspects, the diagnostic aspects. And I'm not going to bore you. I don't intend to bore you. I want to show you that this, this uh, pandemic is a pandemic of testing and misinterpretation and uh, a lot of assumptions and false assumptions. And I'm going to show you that as we go. So we're going to pull it apart. I'm going to dedicate this show to David Crow, the late Canadian uh, researcher. He was the founder of the Alberta Reappraising AIDS Society and the president of Rethinking AIDS from 2008 until his sudden death in Ju- July, July 12th of this year, which was very sad. He, he had cancer, um, and I don't think he realized until it was basically uh, too late. That seemed to creep up on him very quickly. I interviewed him a couple of months before he died, and at that point he didn't he didn't seem to realize he I'm pretty sure he hadn't been diagnosed at that point. So it's very sad. It's a, it's a big loss in the field. Uh, he was a great humanitarian. He did did 40 years worth of you know research and study in biomedicine, medical science. He had a background in biology and computing, and you know he was he was trying to um, educate the people and show people you know hey you know we can't always believe blindly believe what the authority structure tells us. So I want to thank him, and I'm going to start the show by 
quoting directly from his coronavirus, uh, coronavirus pandemic, sorry, panic <laughs> ebook, coronavirus panic version 6.2, which he published in March 2020. And you know, David is one of the most knowledgeable people on the planet as far as this kind of stuff goes, and particularly as a, a dissident, someone who doesn't accept things at the surface level. So his perspective was, is, still remains very valuable indeed. So he says, the coronavirus scare that emanated from Wuhan, China in December 2019 is an epidemic of testing. There is no proof that a virus is being detected by the test, and there is absolutely no concern about whether there are a number of false positives coming out of the test. What is being published in medical journals is not science. Every paper has the goal of enhancing the panic by interpreting the data only in ways that benefit the viral theory. In other words, the medical papers are propaganda. And he continues by saying, it's also an epidemic of definition. The definition, which assumes perfection from the test, and we'll get to that, does not have the safety valve that the definition of SARS did. So the scare can go on until public health officials change the definition or realise that the test isn't reliable. And he finishes this section by saying, what I learned from studying SARS, the previous big coronavirus scare after the 2003 epidemic, was that nobody had proved a coronavirus existed, let alone was pathogenic. There was evidence against transmission and afterwards, negative assessments of the extreme treatments that patients were subjected to, which sounds like a repeat of the HIV AIDS scare that came out of the 80s. So... There's basically three core assumptions here, I suppose you could say, driving this the idea that there is a viral pandemic and that we're all in peril and we should all do as we're told and put our masks on and shut up. Basically, the three core assumptions are that the SARS-CoV-2, this so-called novel coronavirus, definitely exists, and that presumes purification, isolation, and definite genetic characterization of it. Secondly, there's the assumption, which is also unproved, that it's pathogenic. And thirdly, there's the additional assumption, which is also unproved, that it is transmissible. It's infectious between people. And the evidence actually, when you get into it, start digging into it, suggests that this is not the case at all. And what we're looking at is a case of many different types of stress and toxicity in different parts of, of the world playing out and um, creating illness. And we are being, we're having, having it spun and by the propaganda outlets of the mainstream media and the government spokespeople, as per usual, nothing new there. So David says, and I quote, the world is suffering from a massive delusion based on the belief that a test for RNA is a test for a deadly new virus. And he says, if the virus exists, it should be possible to purify viral particles. And from these particles, RNA can be extracted and it should match the RNA used in the test. But until this is done, it's possible that the RNA comes from another source, which could be the cells of the patient or bacteria, fungi. There might be an association with elevated levels of this RNA and illness, so an association. But that isn't proof that the RNA comes from a virus. Without purification and characterization of virus particles, it can't be accepted that an RNA test is proof that a virus is present. And that's crucial. Absolutely crucial. And the, the bioweapon narrative of the sort of alternative community or conspiracy community, that, that's kind of, it rests on basically the same assumptions. You know, they assume the reality of, of the virus. They assume infectivity. They assume it's pathogenic. And they don't dig into the foundations of where we get these ideas from. What evidence is there? Well, you know, in my experience, it turns out that there's basically none. And the history of virology, this is something most people don't, don't know, is riddled with scientific fraud. It's riddled with bad science, junk science, 
crappy medicine and people, you know, who are ego driven, looking for fame and fortune, looking for accolades. And they, you know, people like Robert Gallo, for example, who can't be trusted, who are frauds and documented, documented crooks. So we really have been caught with our, <laughs> caught with our pants down here, so to speak. And we've got to get a little bit more on the ball, ladies and gentlemen, start paying closer attention and questioning the narratives we're being fed. So we could ask ourselves, what about living conditions in the areas where people are getting sick? What about what's going on in these areas where allegedly there's an outbreak of some virus, whether it's coronavirus or Ebola, Zika, whatever? What are the living conditions of these people? Are they being subject to significant sources of toxicity that they shouldn't be, that the human body is not designed to cope with? Because that is actually a very, very important thing. And it is, of course, completely dodged and glossed over, avoided in the mainstream narrative. You know, the media outlets feeding us the fear porn, they don't ever go into this. They don't ever talk about the living conditions, environment. They don't talk about lifestyle. They don't talk about your diet, what you're eating, what you're drinking, what you're thinking. Uh, none of that stuff, of course. It's all about viruses and the, the, the warfare model of health, right? So we're just supposed to, you know, Try and kill all the germs. That's about it. And once we kill the germs, we'll be, we'll be safe. Don't worry. We'll be good. So we just need big farmers help and Bill Gates's help. And uh, we'll be, we'll be fine if we just shut up and um, behave ourselves. So let's get into a bit of background on, on viruses. There's an excellent book I strongly recommend called Virus Mania by Torsten Engelbrecht and Klaus Kermlein. Fantastic research. And I'm going to quote from it a few times here. So a little bit of basics around viruses. They basically measure from between 20 nanometers to 450 nanometers across. And they're much, much smaller than bacteria or fungi. They can only be seen with an electron microscope. Bacteria and fungi, on the other hand, can be seen with a basic light microscope because they're larger. Now, Pasteurians, those of the, you know, Louis Pasteur kind of outlook, were using the term virus in the 1800s, and it's actually a term that's derived from Latin. It's The Latin virus means poison, and it's it was used to describe organic structures that could not be classed as bacteria. So back in the 1800s, they had this very broad idea of, quote, virus, which meant poison originally, and it was anything that was not a bacterium. So... This is a pretty broad term, anything other than a virus, sorry, anything <clears throat> that was not bacteria could be classed as virus slash poison. Now, in principle, that could have applied to DNA, it could have applied to RNA, and that's all much too small to be seen. It was far too small to be seen before the advent of the electron microscope, and the first one wasn't patented until, I think, 1931. So... This generic virus idea fitted into the militaristic germ theory paradigm. And this this myth became very entrenched very rapidly in the human psyche, the myth of a one-to-one pathogen-to-disease model of causality, also known as monomorphism. And so always the culprits for sickness and disease were these so-called external invaders, these viruses, And this is the assumption that took root and has persisted ever since, even though there was no real evidence. It was a belief. It became a religion unto itself. So there have been some major hiccups along the way. Engelbrecht and his co-author, Kernlund, contacted the Robert Koch Institute in Berlin in 2005 requesting the following information. They requested 
The names of the studies that indisputably show that SARS, Hep C, Ebola, smallpox and polioviruses have been proven to exist, that is, they've been purified properly, isolated, and their biochemical properties have been defined you, using electron micrographs, supported by electron micrographs. And they also requested the names of studies that indisputably show that viruses, the, the viruses named above, cause disease. So those viruses such as SARS, Hep C, Ebola, and so on and so forth, and all the rest of them. And they also factored in, well, can you show us that these other things like malnutrition and toxicity do not at least co-determine the course of disease? Now, long story short, these guys never got a response back from the Koch Institute in Berlin. And they're not the only people who've gone looking for this information. So basically, the ugly, ugly secret of virology is that many years ago, mainstream science left the path of direct observation of nature and went instead with indirect proof, a, aka proof, with procedures such as antibody serology and costly PCR tests. So unfortunately, both of these methods, if you dig down into it, produce basically meaningless results. So... That has serious ramifications for for the situation we now find ourselves in if we can't trust these tests or so-called tests. Even uh, Wang Chen, who's president of the Chinese Academy of Medical Sciences, admitted in February that the PCR test, and I quote, only 30 to 50% accurate, which is woeful, obviously woeful. So you, you would never want to rely solely on them for diagnostics. In fact, we're going to take that further in a second. Antibody tests, on the other hand, just show that there are antibodies present, they're not a direct observation or proof of the presumed virus or other particle to which the antibody tests react. So as, as long as the virus or the cell particle, the antigen hasn't been precisely defined, we don't even know what the antibody tests are reacting to. That's why they're called unspecific or non-specific. It's accepted even in the mainstream that having previously had a cold virus in your body will potentially cause a positive result for so-called COVID-19, this allegedly new coronavirus. Now, PCR tests present a similar issue. They're, they're used to identify, supposedly, COVID-19 patients who are infected, allegedly, by SARS-CoV-2. But the problem is they don't have a valid gold standard to compare them with. So... They're self-referential. We're just looking at them and making the assumption that these things can be trusted to do what they claimed to do. But only a virus that's proved to be isolated and purified can be a solid gold standard, and we don't have that gold standard. So according to Torsten Engelbrecht and his co-author, Constantine Demeter, co-author of a very, very good article, which I strongly recommend, I'll give you the name in a moment, they did a fantastic investigation into the PCR tests, and they tell us that there are no distinctive symptoms, specific symptoms for COVID-19, and that's admitted even by people such as Thomas Lerscher, the former head of the Department of Infection and Tropical Medicine at the University of Munich. So that's obviously a problem. If you don't have a specific distinctive set of symptoms for a disease, how do you know that it's not some other disease? How do you know it's not the flu? How do you know it's not the common cold or, you know, pneumonia and whatever else is going on? Okay, so let's get into RT-PCR tests. How do they work? What are they doing? Now, what most people don't realise is that a viral 
the, the idea of viral load is a bit of a misnomer. It actually just means RNA molecules. It's genetic material, and we don't know. We have not proved that the genetic material comes from a putative virus that has actually invaded the body. This is actually just a couple of assumptions that we make, and that's the assumption. These assumptions are built into the, the germ theory um, paradigm, the warfare model of health and illness. So PCR tests are currently being used as COVID-19 diagnostic tests when, in fact, they were never intended to be used in such a way. And the inventor of the PCR, Nobel Prize winner Carrie Mullis, was clear about its limitations and that it should never be used to do the things that it's currently being used for in the coronavirus scare. So PCR tests multiply whatever genetic material is present in the sample, basically all of it. With every new cycle that you run of multiplication, the load doubles again. So you get an exponential increase in the amount of cellular debris and genetic material. So both the presumed virus and all the other material is exponentially multiplied until the arbitrary cutoff point is reached, whatever that might be, whether they run 25 cycles or 37 cycles or 45 cycles. And at that point, they're deciding, well, if our cutoff's 35 cycles, you're positive, or they're, just, they're determining that you're not. It's quite arbitrary. So it probably doesn't sound very much like science to you, or good, good science anyway, and that's because it's not. So as David Crow tells us in his very thoroughly researched coronavirus panic book, PCR is a DNA manufacturing technique, and when it's used as a test, it doesn't produce a positive slash negative result, but the number it just gives the number of cycles required to detect a sufficient amount of material to beat the arbitrary cutoff between positive and negative. So if positive means infected and negative means uninfected, then there are cases, and this is documented, cases of people going from infected to uninfected and back to infected again in a couple of days which is ludicrous. And I just recently shared on, on Facebook the the instance of a Essendon football player who had tested positive and then a couple of days later tested negative. So it just goes to show, and this keeps happening, it just goes to show the, the tests really don't mean anything. I mean, if you if he really had this supposed disease, then he should have still had the positive test result a couple of days later because he would have had all the antibodies or the genetic material still would have been there. But it just goes to show that this this is kind of a very misleading form of so-called test. It's not supposed to be used this way. And I think Carrie Mullis would be rolling in his grave right now if he knew what was going on. So Crow adds that there's no way to tell that the RNA that's being used in the, the PCR test is actually found in the particles that we see in the electron micrograph, these images of the you know microbiological level of the body and our genetics. We don't know. So there's no connection between the test and the particles, and there's no proof that the particles are viral. It's just an assumption that's made. It's just We just keep making these assumptions in line with the, the Pasteurian sort of um, ethos. So Engelbrecht and Demeter, they wrote together an amazing article called COVID-19 PCR tests are scientifically meaningless, and it is definitely worth reading. I'm going to quote a few times from it here in this episode. And they tell us that basically, as Crow says, we need to know where the RNA, the RNA comes from. You know, the RNA that the PCR tests are calibrated for, where does that come from? Particle, purifi- excuse me, par- particle purification is essential to that, to knowing that, where it comes from. And PCR is extremely sensitive, which means it can detect 
even the smallest pieces of DNA or RNA, but it cannot determine where the particles come from. That has to be determined beforehand. Then you can have some sort of gold standard. So Engelbrecht and Demeter contacted four of the uh, principal early 2020 authors uh, of papers claiming the discovery of the new coronavirus. They, they contacted the authors of the paper, papers from early 2020, who had claimed that a new coronavirus had been identif- identified, and they requested confirmation of purification, but not a single one of them could provide it. All of the respondents admitted that they did not purify and did not obtain electron micrographs showing the degree of purification. So it's never happened. So four of the early and principal 2020 papers claiming this new discovery conceded that they they could not actually prove that the genetic material they were looking at was even viral in origin. Simply hasn't happened, ladies and gentlemen, and this, this is huge. It has huge ramifications. Think about all the draconian stuff that's been going on, all the lockdown the lockdown stuff, the clampdowns on basic freedoms, and you think this is all primarily driven by PCR tests and also the antibody tests. So with that, we'll go into a break. You are listening to Truthverse with Brendan D. Murphy. We are on HealthyLife.net radio, and we'll be back after these short messages. Don't go away. Get ready to work smarter, not harder. Brendan D. Murphy's ebook, The Pocket Guide to Affiliate Marketing, does just that and shows you the possibilities of how to maximize profit to put in your pocket. The Pocket Guide to Affiliate Marketing shows you the ins and outs to discover how to leverage the system, tools, and automation to make passive income while you enjoy the lighter side of life. Get The Pocket Guide to Affiliate Marketing at brendandmurphy.com slash pocket. That's brendandmurphy.com slash pocket. You have too little time to shop, so try Farm Fresh to you. They deliver organic food the way nature intended, delivered straight to your home or office, economically. Visit our web advertiser page and click on Farm Fresh to you now. The Grand Delusion is the book that can prove consciousness is at the root of creation. It strips away the veil of materialism and heals the division between science and spirituality. It provides a new intelligent foundation and direction for civilization to take in the 21st century and beyond. Personally, get ready to go to your next level on multiple counts as The Grand Delusion by Brendan D. Murphy illuminates the truth so you can be part of the solution for a better, happier world. Get your copy now at brendandmurphy.com slash TGI. Audiobooks gives you instant access to over 50,000 of the best sellers and hottest book titles in romance, mystery, fiction, and many other genres. Just visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Audiobooks to get started. You have options. Even if the economy is down, you can help protect yourself with multiple revenue streams to help you through these fast-changing times and beyond. If you're serious about exploring your options, then head to brendandmurphy.com future to check out the free training session. You can start adapting your future and learn to set up a fully functional affiliate marketing ad campaign step-by-step. You can learn how to use social media to make a living. So start by going to brendandmurphy.com future. More exhilarating talk. HealthyLife.net
Welcome back to Truth Verse with Brendan D. Murphy. We are on HealthyLife.net Radio. Thanks for being with me. This week we are pulling apart the coronavirus scare, coronavirus virus panic, and we're looking at the foundations of it, the rotten foundations, and examining why they are so rotten and why we should not be afraid and not in fear and definitely not locking down the planet and engaging with all this, this tyranny, this, these attacks on our basic freedoms. So what I was saying was that there was no evidence provided by the the authors of early papers that were claiming that a new coronavirus had been discovered, and it was, you know, this COVID-19 thing. So virologist Dr. Charles Callisham has told Demeter and Engelbrecht, he's admitted that he has been searching for a paper, just one paper, in which SARS-CoV-2 has been isolated and actually actually really purified and isolated, but he has yet to find one. It doesn't seem to exist. So again, we can't conclude that the RNA gene sequences the PCR tests are calibrated for actually definitely belong to any particular virus. And there's certainly no conclusive evidence that those RNA sequences cause the symptoms of so-called COVID-19. And again, there's no actual specific definitive specific particular symptom set, symptomology for COVID-19. So how do we know that it's not just another cold or not just another flu? And what's going on with these people who are hypoxic and can't can't breathe, can't get the enough air into their lungs, enough oxygen? Well, that seems to be a different thing altogether. And I put it to you that part of the problem is sources of stress, toxicity, EMF pollution, 5G again, you know, the 60 gigahertz thing has been discussed elsewhere. We're not going to hone in on it too much, but clearly there are things that are putting our bodies under enormous stress that are not healthy and we need to, we need to stop exposing ourselves. And, you know, personally, the 5G thing is just crazy. We need to, to we need a definite, we, we need a definite upgrade of our safety in the technology department there. And 5G is not the solution at all. It's only making it worse. So PCR tests, they find fragments, they find nucleic acids. Now, the inventor, Carrie Mullis, wrote an email back in 2013 to the widow of boxer, Tommy Morrison, whose career and life were destroyed by a so-called HIV test. And he basically said the, the specific fragment detected is determined by an arbitrary choice of DNA primers used, which becomes the ends of the amplified fragment. Now, again, PCR is, is not a diagnostic. It's a manufacturing technique. So you, as Crow explains, you start with one molecule, a small amount of DNA, and on each cycle, the amount doubles. So by the time you've done 30 cycles of multiplication, you have approximately a billion times more material than you started with. So it's an exponential increase. So as a manufacturing technique, he tells us it's great. What they do is attach a fluorescent molecule to the RNA as they produce it. You shine a light. At one wavelength and you get a response, you get light sent back to a different wavelength, at a different wavelength. So they measure the amount of light that comes back, and that's their surrogate for how much DNA there is present. Now, he says, I'm using the word DNA, but there's a step in RT-PCR tests, or PCR tests, which is where you convert the RNA to DNA. So the PCR test is actually not using the viral RNA. It's using DNA, but it's like the complementary RNA. So it can be confusing. Okay. Get this. We need to understand this. Cutoff points are arbitrary and they vary between different labs doing PCR tests. 
Crow tells us that he found in one paper 37 cycles, and if you didn't get enough fluorescence by 37 cycles, you're considered negative. In another paper, the cutoff was 36. 37 to 40 were considered indeterminate, and if you got in that range, then you did more testing. He says, I've only seen two papers that describe what the limit was, so it's quite possible that different hospitals, different states, Canada versus the US, Italy versus France, are all using different cutoff sensitivity standards of the COVID test. So if you cut off at 20, everyone would be negative. If you cut off at 50, you might have everyone positive. It just depends how many times you run the cycle. Now, Carrie Mullis tells us in a book called PCR Protocols that if you have to go more than 40 cycles to amplify a single copy gene, there is something seriously wrong with your PCR. Professor Stephen Buston at Anglia Ruskin University has publicly acknowledged that the cutoff points, the arbitrary nature of the cutoff points, are actually a real problem. So it's not... We're not a bunch of fringe nuts or kooks who are saying that there are issues here. This is, this is acknowledged by people in the know who really know their stuff. Now, Dr. David Rasnick, who, who was a colleague of David Crowe's, he's a biochemist, he's a protease developer. He had an interview with Celia, Celia Farber, which is a fantastic reading, and he told her, you have to have a whopping amount of any organism to cause symptoms, huge amounts of it. You don't start with testing, you start with listening to the lungs. I'm sceptical that a PCR test is ever true. It's a great scientific research tool. It's a horrible tool for clinical medicine. 30% of your infected cells have been killed before you show symptoms. By the time you show symptoms, the dead cells are generating the symptoms. Now, the FDA itself tells us that RT-PCR tests are intended for the qualitative detection of nucleic acids. In other words, it's not quantitative. It's not meant to determine so-called viral load or the amount of a so supposed virus in your body. That's not what it's for. Now, at this point, you're probably thinking maybe you shouldn't go get tested. And uh, David Rasnick would strongly agree with that. He says when people ask him, don't do it, he tells them, no healthy person should be tested. It means nothing, but if you let it mean something, it can destroy your life, just like the HIV test did for Tommy Morrison and like these tests are doing for other people right now and having them unnecessarily medically interfered with and treated. Now, this next bit's important, ladies and gents, if you care about freedom and privacy. Rasnick tells us that every time someone takes a swab, that is a tissue sample of their DNA, it goes into a government database to track us. So th this is actually far from about being about our health and protecting us. This is, it has nothing to do with that whatsoever, and I think that's pretty obvious to everybody who's actually investigating it. So as, as the authors of Virus Mania tell us, the short pieces of genes that are found using PCR are not complete and they don't even satisfy the definition of a gene. But in spite of the absurdity of it all, the faithful flock insists that once you paste these fragments together, these gene fragments can then depict the alleged virus's whole genome. The only problem is that no one has ever produced a study showing an electron micrograph of this so-called reproduced virus. So let's switch over just briefly to HIV and give you some background on that because it's very relevant and you'll see this in the history of virology, just how much dodgy stuff goes on behind the scenes that we don't get told about. So in March 1997, two papers were published in the journal Virology, and they revealed that the vast majority of what had been previously called so-called pure HIV was actually impurities that were not HIV, and the, the mixtures also included microvesicles that looked very similar to HIV under an electron microscope 
but really are of cellular origin. And that's from page three of Crow's Coronavirus Panic Book. Now, you're listening to Truthverse. We're going to go take a quick break and continue pulling this apart. We're on HealthyLife.net Radio. Don't go away. We'll be back. There's a master class in self-evolution called Evolve Yourself. It helps you become the best version of yourself and even goes beyond your expectations. Once activated, Evolve Yourself continues to guide and mold you on your path towards enlightenment automatically. Like it's on autopilot. Imagine spiritual growth and healing as you are made aware of a simple method to trigger a massive mind-body-spirit upgrade. It's easy to begin your transformation process. Watch the free online master class at EvolveYourself.live. Evolve Yourself. Live. For the best in business class travel, count on Cheapo Air. Cheapo Air has the best price guarantee, 24-7 customer service, and easy booking online or by phone. To experience your hassle-free journey, start by going to HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Cheapo Air. Looking for an online business? Well, look no further. On brendandmurphy.com, you can join the Affiliate Institute. You'll get the skill set and core tools you need to help you be a successful online entrepreneur. It's taught by some of the best people in the business like Cameron George. But what's even better? You can earn as you learn. Only the Affiliate Institute teaches you what to do and provides you amazing high-ticket offers that you can immediately sell. So start your online business today by going to brendandmurphy.com slash playbook. Constant Contact and your small business make a perfect fit for marketing. They give you what you need to succeed. Fast and easy email marketing at your fingertips. Visit the HealthyLife.net advertiser page and click on Constant Contact to start your marketing. Have you heard about electrolyzed water? You know water is the foundation of life, and in these times you want to keep your immune system strong and robust. That's where electrolyzed water may help. It's hydrogen-rich with lots of antioxidants, so it may help you stay hydrated, maintain great health, and boost your energy, too. This technology is made by an industry-leading Japanese company that has been going strong for 45 years. Change your water, change your life at brendandmurphy.com slash kangen, spelt K-A-N-G-E-N. You're listening to CHSR Real Radio on the web. Welcome back to Truth Averse. I'm your host, Brendan D. Murphy, and we are pulling apart the coronavirus panic, dismantling the flawed foundations of it all, the flawed medical foundations here on HealthyLife.net. And as I said before the break, even in the case of HIV, you know, it was simply being assumed that what was being looked at under the microscope was a so-called HIV virus, but they were finding, in truth, that it had never been isolated. So there were these other cellular components like microvesicles that look similar to alleged HIV under an electron microscope, but they are actually produced inside the cell. So this is a huge problem. We find ourselves with the coronavirus situation basically in the same situation. No one has ever definitively definitively purified and isolated this so-called novel coronavirus, despite what all the colourful computer pictures suggest. Now, Engelbrecht and Kernline go on to make some sensible suggestions. Why not suppose that a virus, or what we call a virus, is actually a symptom of a disease and not the cause? Now, this this brings us into terrain theory, which incidentally is much more, I would say, much more 
strongly based in empiricism and evidence than the virus theory is. So in, in reality, ladies and gents, endogenous viruses, that is internally produced viruses, were recognized a long time ago. However, the idea that a so-called virus could simply be a cellular byproduct of toxicity or stress, it goes against the sacrosanct dogma of virus theory, which is basically that viruses are bad, viruses attack us from the outside, and when they get in, they cause specific types of disease. Now, Dr. Andy Kaufman, who I interviewed not long ago, recently exploded the foundational premises of the COVID-19 narrative and the aforementioned virus dogma by demonstrating that what researchers had been assuming was a virus, which they called SARS-CoV-2, was actually much more likely to be an endogenously produced exosome. And as Kaufman pointed out, Koch's postulates have not ever been fulfilled for COVID-19, nor SARS, nor any other coronavirus, and in fact, any virus at all, ever. So you, are, you might be wondering, what are Koch's postulates? Why is that important? And it's pretty basic. Koch's postulates were basically four, fourfold. Firstly, the pathogen has to be found in all instances of the disease, but not in healthy organisms, not in healthy people. The microorganism, the you know, in this case the virus, should be purified and isolated from the host and then grown in pure culture. This never happens. Thirdly, the, the cultured microbe, microorganism, should then cause disease when it's introduced into a healthy organism. Never been done. The microorganism should be re-isolated then from the, the new host and identified as being identical to the original microorganism. Now, these, these requirements have never actually been met. And this may be shocking to you, but it sounds like common sense. You know, this is the model. This is the warfare germ theory model. And, you know, we should be able to prove this stuff and demonstrate it. But it doesn't happen. So Amory Devereaux and Rosemary Frey, Rosemary Frey, I should say, actually offered a devastating confirmation in an article that Koch's postulates have remained miserably unfulfilled in any meaningful sense all the way through till June 2020. And the postulate involving purification, isolation, and the sequencing of the virus's genome, and then the demonstration that it is not present in any other virus, and then replicate, replicating it and cloning it, that hasn't been done. And then the next step of injecting the new copy of the virus into a statistically significant number of living hosts, which would usually be lab, lab animals, and seeing whether those animals develop the discrete diagnostic symptoms associated with COVID-19, rather than developing any other diagnostic symptoms belonging to other diseases or infections. That hasn't been done. It hasn't happened. You'd think it would have been. It seems basic and foundational, but alas, hasn't happened. Now, a Canadian a woman by the name of Christine Massey sent Freedom of Information Act requests seeking confirmation of SARS-CoV-2 isolation. She sent them these requests to five Canadian institutions, and they were Health Canada, the National Research Council of Canada, the University of Toronto, and the region of, sorry, uh, Sunnybrook Health Sciences Centre and the region of Peel. Now, every single one of those institutions came back with the same answer. They searched, but they could not locate any record describing the isolation of any COVID-19 virus, SARS-CoV-2, anywhere, ever, at any point. <laughs> so if your mind isn't blown at this point, I, <laughs> I figure you must have already been pretty knowledgeable about this stuff. You've really done your homework. So in simple terms, COVID-19 turns out to be a huge misreading of the situation by the Pasteurian antimicrobial cultists, 
the available evidence basically indicates that we are being defrauded and this supposed strain of coronavirus is actually an internally produced cellular entity in, and it's produced in response to stress and toxicity. It is not harmful. This genetic material that's produced by the cells is not hurting us. It's done in response to an injury, to a toxin, to electromagnetic pollution, for example. And it, these, some of these, these entities may be involved in cleaning up toxicity. So when our other defense mechanisms fail, these so-called viruses are produced and used for these purposes to support us, at least in some instances. This is what we are starting to discover or rediscover. Now, Engelbrecht and Kernline in Virus Mania would seem to stand vindicated in their suggestion that viruses could be a symptom and not a cause produced inside the cell, not invading from the outside and part of a defence mechanism. So you may be interested to hear that in 1983, Nobel Prize winner Barbara McClintock, she actually acknowledged that the genetic material of living beings can be constantly altered through stress or shocks. And this, her work went a long way to informing the field or developing the field of epigenetics. And these, these shocks or stresses could be toxins, but also other materials that result in stress. And in turn, this can lead to the formation of entirely new genetic sequences, which were previously unknown and unverifiable. So this is hardly you know, a radical fringe idea. There's, there's really good evidence, and the field of epigenetics tells us as plain as day that our environment affects us very profoundly right down to the most fundamental microbiological levels. It affects our gene expression, and McClintock has confirmed that. Now, in a 2017 paper, much more recently, Nemeth and, um, Nemeth and colleagues found that the antibiotic ciprofloxin, and I hope I'm saying that right, actually induces the release of both DNA, that is mitochondrial and chromosomal sequences, and DNA-binding proteins on the external surfaces of these tiny cellular entities known as exosomes. Exosomes are released from cells during exocytosis, and they are pushed out, this, this cellular, cellular content is pushed out of the cell into the extracellular space. Exosomes are viewed as the smallest of the extracellular vesicles produced inside the cell, measuring around 100 nanometers, which by coincidence, probably not coincidence at all, is the same size as the so-called SARS-CoV-2 virus, as Andrew Kaufman has pointed out. And while you chew on that, we'll go and take a quick break. You're listening to Truthverse with Brendan D. Murphy on HealthyLife.net Radio. We'll be back after these messages. Don't go away. You can help reset and optimize your metabolism and help turn your fat into fuel. Want something that can help you do just that in just 10 days? Then you need to try the 10-Day Ketone Challenge. It may even trigger cell repair and regeneration that may help to slow down the aging process. With the 10-Day Ketone Challenge, there's no meal planning or long-term commitments. Go to brendandmurphy.com slash challenge and jump right in. brendandmurphy.com slash challenge. If you want USA and worldwide car rentals, choose rentacar.com. Free cancellations on most bookings, no hidden charges. They are trusted by over 4 million customers. Visit our advertiser page and click on the rent-a-car banner. 
The Truth and Nothing But the Truth, but it's spelled T-R-O-O-T-H. Truth is a new social media network that elucidates the censored information that Facebook and search engines have suppressed and don't want you to see. Created by Brendan D. Murphy, it's a platform run by truth seekers for truth seekers, a place where freedom of speech is protected as the highest value. Connect with a community of fellow truth seekers. Visit brendandmurphy.com slash truth. Truth can set you free. It's spelt T-R-O-O-T-H. This is Jack Maher from the band Feed the Kitty. It's important to support the artists you love, and you can do that and get something authentic for yourself. Rock.com has the most coveted, licensed merchandise of music, culture, and entertainment. So go to the advertiser page and click on Rock.com now. Get ready to work smarter, not harder. Brendan D. Murphy's ebook, The Pocket Guy Do Affiliate Marketing, does just that and shows you the possibilities of how to maximize profit to put in your pocket. The Pocket Guy Do Affiliate Marketing shows you the ins and outs to discover how to leverage the system, tools, and automation to make passive income while you enjoy the lighter side of life. Get The Pocket Guy Do Affiliate Marketing at brendandmurphy.com slash pocket. That's brendandmurphy.com slash pocket. HealthyLife.net, where positive overcomes negative. Welcome back to Truthiverse. We are on HealthyLife.net radio, and I'm your host for the show, Brendan D. Murphy. And we are pulling apart the coronavirus scare, the scaremongering, and the bad science. And uh, to pick up the thread, we were just comparing SARS-CoV-2 with these exosomes that are produced inside the cells. They are not external invaders. And we're going we're gonna to tie it back to AIDS momentarily and HIV because what happened there was we found, that is the independent researchers and the scientists who were not controlled by Big Pharma, they found that poppers and immunosuppressive medications like antibiotics and antivirals can trigger oxidative stress and stir up antibody production. So that means that these serology tests or antibody tests will come out positive. And likewise, since new genetic sequences are generated by stressed cells, they can also create positive results in PCR tests, remembering that the PCRs not as targeted and reliable as we have been led to believe, and they are not really intended to be used diagnostically. They're DNA manufacturing techniques. That's what a PCR um, does. It's a manufacturing technology. So all of this stuff goes on inside ourselves without the need for us to invoke the concept of naughty, invisible pathogenic viruses invading us and causing our disease. And you, you notice the difference in mentality there is that if we accept that what we do and what we experience and what we ingest, the kind of environment we choose to put ourselves in actually creates health outcomes or, you know, our disease outcomes, then the responsibility comes back into our hands and it's, it's on us. You know, we get to create health or disease and it's our choice moment by moment, day by day. Whereas the germ theory, the warfare model of, of, of disease and health basically says, well, you're not responsible. It's just these naughty little microbes that have gotten into your system and made you sick, which is a completely outdated view coming from the 1800s and actually has origins further back than that. But we won't go off on that tangent. Now, very few people have any idea how much shonky science has informed our current ideas about health and illness. Viruses, according to Val Turner of the Perth Group, 
can't even multiply in, say, dead meat like bacteria can. As he points out, viruses, so-called viruses, particles that are obliged to replicate at the behest of living cells. So if they can't replicate outside of host cells, why are we being told to wear gloves just to handle a petrol pump? Why is outdoor play equipment cordoned off? Why are gym members forced to sanitise any piece of equipment they touch ad nauseum in case of COVID? Viruses simply became articles of faith a long time ago. Even with the electron micrograph available to image these particles, supposedly, the issue of actually isolating and purifying the sample has remained a huge problem. The issue is simple. In order to know what you're looking at, ladies and gents, you have to be able to differentiate and separate it from other generic, sorry, other cellular material. You don't want to be confusing similar looking things, for example, alleged virus particles with other similar virus-like entities inside the cell. And this is crucial because, as multiple researchers have shown, even our healthy cells produce a range of particles that can look like supposed invader viruses or so-called cancer viruses. In the words of Dr. James Hildreth, speaking in the context of a new perspective on HIV, a new theory, he says, the virus is fully an exosome in every sense of the word. And these tiny vesicles are produced internally inside the cell and ejected from the cell through the process of exocytosis and then used as messengers to other cells. So the virus paradigm, even in the mainstream, is starting to shift, and we're talking about exosomes and this kind of thing. But overall, the general outlook is woefully out of date. It's still in this... We're still in this warfare model. We're still in this germ theory. We need to kill the germs, kill the microbes, and then we'll be we'll be healthy kind of mentality. And it's completely archaic. There's no place for it in the 21st century, in my humble opinion. So, as as Engelbrecht, Engelbrecht yeah, excuse me, as Engelbrecht and Kernline point out in Virus Mania, which is a very very good book, viruses or so-called viruses, alleged viruses like polio, H5N1, Hep C, HPV, SARS, they've never been properly, truly isolated and characterised by anybody. Now, Kaufman's recent assessment of the, the literature bears this out. You may be surprised to learn that publishing fraudulent virology is actually part of the course for publications like Nature and other esteemed journals and outlets But if you've seen my article about how broken the peer review system really is, then you won't be surprised by any of this. And you can find that article. I think it's called uh, Why Peer Review is a Sham. You'll find it by searching peer review on brendandmurphy.com. And I also made a YouTube video about it a couple of years back. So the bottom line is this. If neither SARS nor the SARS-related SARS-CoV-2 has ever been truly isolated and identified categorically, then What did we just shut down the planet for? And why are masks being made mandatory anywhere against all the best evidence and information that we've got? Unless you're doing open heart surgery on someone, you don't need a mask. You're actually doing more harm than good. Okay, now the FDA actually is supporting what I'm saying here as far as PCR tests go. There's a publication that has told us that detection of viral RNA may not indicate the presence of infectious virus. Or that 2019 NCOV, in other words, the novel coronavirus, is the causative agent for clinical symptoms. And they also admit in their publication that this test cannot rule out diseases caused by other bacterial or viral pathogens. A different 
FDA document about the RT-PCR tells us positive tests, sorry, positive test results do not rule out bacterial infection or co-infection with other viruses. The agent detected may not be the definite cause of disease. Now, if we go over to some instruction manuals for PCR technology, Creative Diagnostics, they have a manual that tells us the detection result of this product is only for clinical reference and it should not be used as the only evidence for clinical diagnosis and treatment. It also admits the technology only has a qualitative application, not quantitative. So it can't tell you, they're telling you, it can't tell you how much so-called virus is in your body. Now, it also indicates specificity for a number of viruses that are not coronaviruses. And yet they claim this technology is to be used for detecting SARS-CoV-2. The manual seems to indicate it can register a positive result for these other viruses that have nothing to do with COVID-19. And they even admit the detection result is only for clinical reference and should not be used as the only evidence for clinical diagnosis and treatment. And yet, as John Rappaport points out, this is exactly what health authorities around the world are doing. They are relying solely on this bogus test, so-called test, which is a form of DNA manufacturing technology, to determine whether someone has an unproved novel coronavirus and is supposedly sick. It is just ludicrous. So with that, ladies and gents, I will take you into a short break. You are listening to Truthverse. And this is HealthyLife.net Radio. I'm Brendan D. Murphy. Don't go away. We'll be back. The truth and nothing but the truth, but it's spelled T-R-O-O-T-H. Truth is a new social media network that elucidates the censored information that Facebook and search engines have suppressed and don't want you to see. Created by Brendan D. Murphy, it's a platform run by truth seekers for truth seekers, a place where freedom of speech is protected as the highest value. Connect with a community of fellow truth seekers. Visit brendandmurphy.com slash truth. Truth can set you free. It's spelt T-R-O-O-T-H. You have too little time to shop, so try Farm Fresh to you. They deliver organic food the way nature intended, delivered straight to your home or office economically. Visit our web advertiser page and click on Farm Fresh to You now. Have you heard about electrolyzed water? You know water is the foundation of life, and in these times you want to keep your immune system strong and robust. That's where electrolyzed water may help. It's hydrogen-rich with lots of antioxidants, so it may help you stay hydrated, maintain great health, and boost your energy, too. This technology is made by an industry-leading Japanese company that has been going strong for 45 years. Change your water, change your life at brendandmurphy.com slash kangen, spelt K-A-N-G-E-N. Roku is like having your own video library with over 300,000 choices. And it's the best way to get Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, and so much more. There's a Roku player for every budget. So go to HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on the Roku banner. You can help reset and optimize your metabolism and help turn your fat into fuel. Want something that can help you do just that in just 10 days? Then you need to try the 10-Day Ketone Challenge. It may even trigger cell repair and regeneration that may help to slow down the aging process. With the 10-Day Ketone Challenge, there's no meal planning or long-term commitments. Go to brendandmurphy.com slash challenge and jump right in. brendandmurphy.com slash challenge. Eclectic talk with a positive twist. HealthyLife.net. 
Welcome back to Truthverse. I'm Brendan D. Murphy, and we are pulling apart the coronavirus pandemic. We'll wrap it up here now, and we are talking about the bogus PCR tests and their meaningless results, as well as serology tests. Now, it has been acknowledged that in the course of the conversion process from RNA to the DNA in the PCR process, the amount of DNA obtained with the same RNA base material can vary widely. This is according to Stephen Buston, so much that it can vary widely, so widely, even as far as a factor of 10, which is a whole order of magnitude. So considering that these sequences double every cycle, a slight variation becomes magnified and magnified and can therefore alter the end result, undermining the test's supposed informative value. So that's something to think about, ladies and gents. Just the best thing I can suggest is take care of yourself don't listen to the fear porn. Don't listen to the bogus medical tests, the numbers that they're telling us in the media, the new cases. All of this stuff is garbage. It's pure fluff. It has no basis in reality. And this this PCR technology is being abused by the medical establishment, used in a way that was it was never intended to be used. And even the inventor of the technology has made that pretty clear. Unfortunately, he died in 2019, so he can't speak to this current fake pandemic. But every every year there's another one. Next year they'll probably simply continue to extend this one. This is uh, on a, a, a psyop on a scale I've never quite seen before. It's unbelievable. So look after yourselves, ladies and gents. Get some sunshine, eat clean, eat healthy, get your 9.5 water into you. Take care, stay safe out there, and we'll be back next week. 